Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke LaMastra. Thanks so much for being here. In this episode, I sat down with Amy Davison. Amy is a biblical apologist and writer for Mama Bear Apologetics, which is a ministry dedicated to raising up kids and really partnering with parents to help us raise up our kids to be equipped to confront the challenges and difficult questions that they're facing in society today. The Mama Bears are all about defending and protecting their children not by isolating and sheltering them, but rather by teaching them how to think critically and engage with culture from a biblical mindset and perspective. So Amy and I talked about things like the balance between defending your child's innocence while equipping them for the issues they're inevitably going to face in the world, the importance of discipling our kids and allowing them to ask tough questions, and we got into some discussion on sexual issues facing children today as well, like society's sexualization of young boys and girls, the lie of sex positivity, and more. If you have kids or grandkids or you plan to, or if you work with kids or teenagers, I believe that you'll really get a lot of value out of this conversation. If this discussion blesses you or adds value to your day, you can support this new show by subscribing, by sharing, and uh, if you're listening somewhere like on Apple Podcasts that it allows you to do this, maybe even leave a review, that would really help me out a lot. So anyway, thank you again for being here, and now I hope you enjoy this conversation with Amy Davison. Hello, Amy Davison. Hey, Duke. How's it going? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic. It's good to see you. I'm uh, excited to to get into some apologetics. I love talking to people that are smarter than me. So, oh gosh, <laughs> so you're being very forward. charitable. I'm looking forward to this. Um, well, hey everybody, welcome to episode four of Real Live Talk. My guest today is Amy Davison. Amy is a Christian biblical apologist and writer for Mama Bear Apologetics. Uh, Mama Bear Apologetics, um, Amy will tell us a little bit more about that, but it's a ministry dedicated to helping parents and their kids develop a strong biblical foundation for, for life, focusing specifically on how to confront some of those difficult cultural challenges and questions that come up and teaching our kids and young people how to engage those things head on, not cower away, not shy away from them. She's passionate about teeping, teaching people how to love God with their minds, right, Amy? And yeah, uh, developing absolutely. strong biblical understanding for how to live and engage with culture. Amy's uh, also a veteran of the United States Air Force, uh, mother of three and a wife. And uh, so, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about there. By the way, we if you don't know what apologetics is, uh, don't worry about it because you're probably not alone. And uh, we'll explain what that's all about in just a minute. Um, Amy, first of all, thank you for being here and uh, thank you for your service to our country. And thank you so much for all that you're doing these days for the body of Christ in terms of um, teaching young people and children and parents and just helping us to work through some of these difficult and complex issues of the days that we're living in. It's so needed. And so thanks for all that you're doing. And uh, yeah, thanks again for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So um, let's see. First of all, I, uh, I think that we should probably start off by uh, just kind of talking about a basic understanding, if you can just help us out with this, of what apologetics is, specifically, obviously, biblical apologetics. It doesn't mean that Amy likes to apologize to people all the time. <laughs> That's not what it means. Uh, so, uh, but, I, but I think that when we talk about apologetics, for those that do have an idea of what apologetics is really all about, I think that... Um, for me anyway, you know, even even having studied apologetics at Bible college and things like that, 
even my understanding around apologetics, I think, was pretty limited. Um, it was basically about, you know, it's about defending your faith and being able to give a strong defense of the gospel. And that's obviously a really big part of what apologetics is. But at the yeah. same time, um, you all, the mama bears at Mama Bear Apologetics, uh, you, you really uh, teach on a wide range of topics within apologetics. So maybe if you could just uh, talk us through some things, give us a little bit of an understanding of what exactly biblical apologetics is and uh, maybe even mention some of the the different conversations that you all have within apologetics, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And it's so great because I think 10 years ago, apologetics wasn't as well known as it is today. It's really been picking up steam within the church, mainly because the, the body of Christ is realizing how much of a need there is for this aspect of the faith. Uh, even today, it's still sometimes kind of seen as, you know, oh, are we trying to replace faith with, with answers or these mm. well-reasoned arguments? No, no, no. This is just an aspect of it, which is which is really great. And so it's, it's growing in the presence of the church, but there's still a bit of a pushback, which is why a lot of people haven't really encountered encountered it, even in yeah. um, our own church, just within probably about the past three, it was about three years ago, our pastor had even made a uh, comment that, you know, oh, it's not about apologetics. It's not about arguing any one into the faith. It's about loving people. And it's, you know what, if the Holy Spirit isn't there loving and arguing, you're not going to get too far. But apologetics, <laughs> that, that defense is definitely a part of it. And so that's what apologetics is. It's basically being that faithful witness for the hope that is within you. It's answering those questions. And it's even been called pre-evangelism, pre which I know some evangelism professors aren't, aren't too keen on that phrasing. Okay. But in a way it is, because whenever we're sharing our faith or witnessing with someone, they're going to have questions. And it's about helping them be able to find the answers, hopefully answering some of their questions. But again, we're not omniscient. You know, I'm I, sure. I like to say that omniscience isn't a spiritual gift because some folks think they, they can get so daunted by the idea of apologetics, like they have to know everything and they have to, to study every aspect of apologetics, which you're not going to be able to do. It's just not, we're not able to, there's not enough time in the day. And so it's being able just to give a faithful witness uh, of your faith in Christ, but it's also an act of worship too, which we've talked about before. It's, it's, a, it's a way of loving God with our minds, getting to know him more deeply, like we would getting to know our spouses or our children mm. or our friends more deeply yeah. and, uh, and being able to, yeah, to answer and wrestle with some of those deep issues of the faith, which is where Mama Bear Apologetics comes in. Uh, we've got a, a, such a fun ministry. It's geared toward moms, but it's not... Um, it's not one of those where it's just a mom ministry, you right, know, where we, yeah. we've got mama bears, we've got papa bears, we've got folks who are in youth ministry that tune in. Basically, if you're pouring into a child at some point, our ministry can help you Come because <clears throat> this ministry is about, you know, taking some of not just worldview questions, which Lindsay Medenwald, she's a, she's another of our mama bear team. She specializes in different worldviews and different faiths. She's got an amazing series um, on all different aspects of the faith, like how to witness to Mormons, what are some questions you can ask, you know, really great things that are available. Um, so we, we deal with issues of that. We tackle cultural issues. If something is popping up in the news or the media, um, here recently, just this last year, when that whole Netflix movie Cuties came out, um, yeah. I, I wrote a, a post on that addressing that issue because there was a huge pushback within the church that I saw on Twitter that was coming about of, oh, we need to cancel Netflix and, and shut it down. This is a horrible film. And it's, <clears throat> yes, it was dealing with some, some awful topics, but we were kind of missing the greater issue because we were so caught up in canceling Netflix. We weren't 
asking, okay, wait, why is this movie here in the first place? What is it actually, what are the concerns that are being raised? How are we seeing these things actually shaping our culture? And so from going at it from that perspective, for people who didn't want to watch the movie, which I definitely don't recommend, um, it addressed the big issues that were in there. And it's like, okay, wait a second. There's some deeper things that are worth discussing, even though it's an awful subject we do have to be able to answer some of these. So that's part of what our ministry does is just taking not only uh, daily issues, cultural issues that are going on, we're discussing apologetic ones, we've got worldview, We've got a whole range of, of subjects that we cover to include audio podcasts. We have vlogs available on YouTube to watch. So basically, whatever your learning style, we got you covered. So not to mention, we have um, a book that just came out uh, or this past year. We've got a study guide that goes with it. So we, we've got resources. Uh, hold that book up again so that, uh, okay. that we can see the title and all of that. There we go. It's, uh, it's, that's we the go. guide. Okay, Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies. Yes, and this was such a great, yeah, and it's such a great project because it wasn't just written by one person. It was just a whole group of mama bears from Alyssa Childers, Hillary Morgan Ferrer. Um, We've got all Hillary Short, uh, lots of Hillary's. We like Hillary's in in mama bears. Uh, (laughs) TZ Cannon, you know, we're talking about all different things like self-helpism, naturalism, um, being able to to chew and spit, which I think our culture, especially our church culture, needs to be able to do. And how do we engage in yeah. culture and sift through this stuff? So it's it's a great resource for parents to not only acquaint them with a lot of things that they've probably heard about, but maybe didn't quite know the, the phrasing for in just a really accessible, engaging way and help you. Uh, train your kids to be able to recognize these cultural lies, have their little radars going off. So that way, when they're encountering this, they don't just swallow it and say, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is truth. Instead, yeah. they're like, wait a second, this, this isn't, this is kind of pinging on my truth radar here. Uh, let's engage with this further, which is such a skill that all of us need, not just our kids. Come on. Well, hey, uh, before we, before we go any further, um, if you would, and we'll, we could, uh, we'll probably do this again at the end as well, but just in case we get into the weeds and I forget, um, <laughs> it, would you uh, just kind of mention where people can go to find Mama Bear Apologetics and some of these resources that you're, that you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll have to send you a list because maybe we could put it like in the comments or something. But if you just go to mamabearapologetics.com, just all one big chunk of a word, Mm -hmm. you're going to find us right there. And we not only have all of our blogs, audio blogs, uh, all of that available. We also have a resource page. Um, we have it to where you can buy the book from the website. So it's, it's all inclusive, easy, accessible. And, uh, and yeah, it's just available for, for anyone just quick, click away. Awesome. Sounds great. And uh, I, I don't know how many people are watching right now because uh, we're we're live in a few different places and it doesn't give me all the data in one centralized spot. <laughs> but uh, if anybody, if, if during this conversation, I just want to say that if anybody's out there listening and you have a question or a comment, you can you can share it in the chat. And I've got a couple different chats that I have to monitor. So if you see me like looking at my phone, Amy, I'm not I'm not being try, trying to be rude. Um, I mentioned to you earlier before no, we got on here that I'm not great at multitasking, but I will do my best to try and kind of monitor the chat and see if any relevant questions come up to the conversation that maybe we can pull those out. Um, if not, then uh, I, then I can definitely tell you that um, I'll I'll read them later. And if it's something that I can't answer, then I can always reach back out to Amy and we can try to get you, you know, do our best to get you an answer to your question. But uh, feel free to engage in the chat, uh, leave a comment, question, anything like that. We would uh, definitely love to uh, to hear from you that way. So, um, Amy, I, 
I, I just kind of going back to what you were talking about a minute ago. I, I love the practicality. I've told you this before. I love the practicality, uh, how practical you are in the approach to apologetics and to helping kids and young people and working with parents and really just helping to kind of foster that understanding of what we believe, but not just what we believe, but why do we believe it? And then how do we practically live that out? And I think it's so cool that you're you're really focused um, in a lot of the stuff that I've read about Mama Bear apologetics and how you all approach this topic and this conversation. You're really all about protecting like a mama bear, you know, protecting our kids, right? Protecting our kids and our young people. But here's what I love that your method of protecting isn't to shelter. Right. But it's it's in fact to equip them and to empower them to make good decisions. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about about that, the methodology behind that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think we're all familiar with what's called the Christian bubble, right? And and for some folks, it's a it's a very noble aspiration. I actually even had this aspiration when I first had real little kids. I thought this was the ideal way to Christian parenting. And I very quickly realized that it just doesn't work. It's, mm. I mean, if you're, if your kids are in the world, they're, they're in it. You, I mean, the bubble just, uh, it's not attainable. And um, as, as I've said in one of my um, blog posts, it's, it has a terrible design feature is that they're easily popped and it is. <laughs> um, and so the, the whole role of mama bear apologetics is you know, almost at first thought you think, okay, so <clears throat> mama bear, she's going to rush in, defend the cubs. And you know, that that's going to be it. It's just mom taking down all the, all the trials. And that's actually not it. What it wow. is, it's just having the boldness to be able to confront these issues, but then also raising up our kiddos, um, which is a, a phrase that we see in Deuteronomy 4.10. It's it's the art of Lamage, training with the implication to put into use. And that mm. is the whole goal for parenting with apologetics, is to help our kids um, have this, sort of foster this biblical worldview, not sort of, but foster this biblical <laughs> worldview. Yeah, not sort of. This is the whole you. purpose. Um, but also to have a safe doubting atmosphere within the home to have your home be a place to where your kids can come up and ask any question they may have they can you can address other worldviews you can discuss other religions you can see things on the tv you're not just having all these blocks and things up instead you're pausing and engaging and so it's really it's almost like a, a sort of tactical environment in a mm. way because here you have the safety of your home which you're only going to have your kids in your house up until, you know, potentially 18 years old, right. maybe longer, you know, if they, if they uh, are going to college or whatever, but um, you only have this very short amount of time with your kiddos and you have this wonderfully safe environment to where they can sort of flex their, their worldview muscles, their biblical muscle muscles. They can, uh, have this great dialogue with you as in around the family table is a great place to have it. Or if you're on long car rides, I've found that children always turn into philosophers when the car rides longer than 40 sure. minutes. Yeah. They, uh, they contemplate the deep things sure. of life. <laughs> and so it's taking advantage of all these little moments to, to journey with them in the faith, to be vulnerable with them, to share maybe your past feelings or your past struggles and to, to research with them, to sort of model this discipleship model that we're supposed to have with all aspects of our faith. And that is what the heart of Mama Bear Apologetics is. Wow. is we're, we're not here to destroy people. Our motto is we, we don't take down people, we, we dismantle arguments. And that's, that's the goal is, okay, we're not here to... <clears throat> trash everyone excuse me if i'm clearing my throat allergies in texas are just ridiculous <laughs> You're fine. um we're here to to address these issues so that yeah. way when your kids go off to college or they join the military or they leave the house you know whatever they do whenever they launch into it they 
they may not have all the answers, but they know how to get them. And they're strong enough in the faith to be able to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. You know, let's dive into that a little more. It's it's great conversational yeah. um, practices because so often, especially with our culture today, it's to react emotionally and, oh, you just have to accept it. Otherwise, you're just being hateful yeah. or whatever the charge is. And it's basically to to raise good thinkers, mm. um, who, people who are patient, who are loving, who are empathetic, but who are also committed to truth and understand that those yeah. are not in contrast with each other. Yeah. I, I love that. Basically, what I'm hearing is that it's not it's not just about teaching kids and young people like what to think, but but no. also how to think. Right. Like how yes. to think through stuff. And this is not like uh, I think I read something um, that you wrote. Actually, it might have just been something that you that you wrote to me or that you sent to me but about the um, sort of the indoctrination or the myth of indoctrination. And, and yeah. that's definitely an allegation, I think, <laughs> against a lot of, against Christianity in general, is that now nah, we're, we're just trying to indoctrinate people. And I think that there's some of that going on for sure, yeah. but, but that's not the point, right? The point mm-hmm. is, okay, let's, let's, look at, let's look at the life that Jesus modeled. Let's look at what the word of God teaches. Let's look at mm-hmm. the principles of scripture and let's use that to develop a biblical system of thinking and believing and understanding and responding and drawing conclusions and all this stuff so that it's not just like, you know, we give our kids, you know, whatever runway we can create for them based on what we know and what we tell them to believe. And then they have, they inevitably will run out of runway and then they've got nowhere else to go, you know, so teaching them how to, I know you talk about this a lot, is teaching them how to think critically and, and from a biblical perspective and to really develop that understanding of, okay, not just I believe this because mom told me to. I think mm-hmm. that when you're a really little kid, some of that is normal, right? Like you just start well, to pick yeah. up. I mean, when you're mom five, yeah. believe this. <laughs> mom, you know, there's some, but then as our kids get older, mm-hmm. I think as a parent, we have to, you know, we we can sort of begin to feel that out, you know, when mm-hmm. they're ready to, to start uh, thinking deeper and thinking more critically and, you know, problem solving some things. And well, you know, ask uh, that through them asking questions and us asking them questions. I think, I think their questions are a good indicator of where they are in their level of understanding in terms of, are they ready to kind of go to that next level of deeper thinking and deeper understanding, you know, um, as they ask questions, like you said, they, they start philosophizing and stuff like that. And they're asking these questions and, just engaging with our kids in that way, but again, not teaching them just like, you think this because I said so, but mm-hmm. no, this is what, you know, even even if it's, um, this is what we believe, this is what we teach based on what the Word of God says, but let's get mm-hmm. into the why behind it, and then how to actually practically apply it to life, and not just like, do as I say, because I said so, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I love that you bring up the indoctrination charge, because I think that's the quickest one that's lobbed in, and, and kind of a funny story. So my um, my son, my middle son, he had come out to us one day, we were in the backyard um, raking up leaves, and he said, <clears throat> well, I accepted Jesus as my savior the other night, and we're just like, oh, okay, and what, you know, right. what brought this on? And he goes, well, I've been looking at the evidence and Christianity makes the most sense. And I thought, this, I mean, and if you know my son, he's a, he's a little like Sheldon Cooperish. So I thought this was just hilarious that of just how he, how he phrased it. And I was like, okay, bud, you know, and we have, we've been 
because one thing we were very clear about with our kids is that, you know, um, we're going to be looking at all sides of the issues. We are very charitable with with everything that we present. We want to present both sides um, and do so fairly. And we've made it very clear, like, this is your decision. Mm -hmm. Um, We just want you to think well. We want you to be... um, I want you to be competent. And so, you know, he came out, I thought this was hilarious. So I typed it up on Twitter real quick. Cause I thought, Oh, you know, my other, my other friends from seminary would think this is hilarious, you know? Yeah. And it blew up within days. I had hundreds of thousands of shares and interactions. Like I basically, I guess Whoa. it kind of went viral to an extent yeah. and it was all from like the hatred side of things. I have wow. never seen so many horrible co- and all of them were, Oh, well, you're just indo- indoctrinating your kid. Wow. And it was, it was so funny because I, I was like, well, you didn't quite ask, you know, how we'd gone about it, but it was, oh, you're indoctrinating. What was so funny is um, I would have parents who would say, well, this is just ridiculous. It's an example of indoctrination. I've read, raised my kids atheists and they're atheists and they're, and they are good thinkers. They're critical thinkers. They weren't indoctrinated. I'm like, are you hearing yourself here a little bit? Um, and so it, it is, it's a big charge that parents get. And yes, indoctrination is possible. If you are teaching from the perspective of, oh no, this is just the way it is. You will accept it. No questions asked. That has happened to people. In fact, I would wager that most of the folks who are very frustrated at that Twitter post were probably either victims of that themselves, Mm, um, or they had friends that were. So there is an area of hurt coming from that. And it's funny, I had been doing research for a paper. And I come across a court proceeding to where these parents were trying to have their children opt out of any sort of discussion, any reading material or any discussion that didn't explicitly advocate Christianity within a public school. And the mom's comment that was recorded within the court documents was, my children don't need to think because the Bible has already done that for them. Wow. That's okay. a problem. Okay. The Bible never says don't yeah. think, you know, yeah. um, the Bible says to search out, to test, to reason. Yeah. Um, that's how we are to weed out bad philosophy is to be able to reason to look through these issues. Wow. And so, yes, there are instances of indoctrination. It can happen. But when we're actually looking at how we're supposed to raise up our kids and then looking at all these issues and presenting it and discussing both sides, taking advantage of songs that they're they're listening to or TV shows, um, you have some really great discussion. And yeah, like you said, you know, you'd be surprised the questions that even little ones answer or ask Um when you're having these moments and they really can, kids will surprise you. And that's one thing I think sometimes we don't give kids enough credit. And that's what I love incorporating apologetics into parenting because you allow your kids to get to know the Lord on a much deeper level than say, you know, veggie tales may take them and they naturally yeah. have questions. Everybody's kid, you know, talks their head off and asks all these why questions. And it's, and sometimes they'll ask a question and you'll answer it and they've zoned out like, 10 seconds into it. And you know, it happens, but um, there are other times to where you'll be, you'll be saying and talking with them and you may not think that it's planting and growing. And then weeks or months later, you know, they'll pop up with something or you'll overhear a conversation that they have with their friends and you're just yeah. blown away. You're like, Oh my gosh, look at, look at what they're doing. And, uh, and that's the great thing is apologetics. It's so accessible to, to all age groups. And there's so many resources now, like Elizabeth Urbanowitz, she has a great uh, resource um, foundation worldview that is actually a worldview curriculum that you can do with your kiddos um, for those people who are homeschooling or if you want to supplement. So she, hers is more for the yeah. elementary school ages. We've got Jane Warner Wallace and Sean McDowell, who write things geared um, toward the the upper levels, whether it's uh, Gen Z or even high schoolers. Mm, so, yeah. I mean, there's 
<clears throat> and they're not the only ones. They're just, you know, the, the yeah. big names. But um, there's so many resources out there now that weren't out 10, 15 years ago because I didn't even know apologetics existed up until I think it was 2013. Had no idea about it. Been a mm, Christian since okay. 18. And 2013 was the first time I had ever heard <laughs> the, the word apologetics. And I was yeah. so floored. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great because everybody <laughs> has these questions and there's sources now. There's resources out there. Wow. This is just phenomenal. So yeah, so yeah it's just, it's um it, it's awesome to be able to to worship um, the Lord in this way. I think, especially for those people who are maybe more of the book bookworm type, you know, this, this mm -hmm. is a love language that can, that can meet that, that need there. Yeah. So good. Um, you know, when I was growing up and, uh, this, this is definitely still the case in, in a lot of areas, I'm sure. But when I, when I was growing up, the, there was this idea and it wasn't that this was necessarily taught in my house or anything mm -hmm. like that, but yeah. just growing up in church and I've got a really serious church background. Like I grew up in, uh, going to Christian schools all my life up until 10th grade, I was one of these, I was in church every Sunday morning, but not just Sunday morning. It was like Sunday school and then church and then back mm -hmm. in church for school, of the Bible on Sunday night and then Wednesday night Bible study. And there was like a Friday night. That <laughs> is awesome. I was in church like constantly. And so yeah. anyway, like there, there's this, there's this idea out there. Like I kind of grew up with this in my mind mm -hmm. that you have to separate yourself from the world, you know, that that as as right. Christians, as believers, that we have to separate ourselves from the world. And the interesting thing is that I don't see that in Jesus. I don't yeah. see that in the life of Jesus. He was the friend of sinners. Like, I remember, mm -hmm. I don't even know why I had it in my head, but I remember having this idea in my head that, like, you know, you can be friendly with non-believers, but you can't be friends with them. And there's yeah. this idea of having to separate yourself or you could become contaminated and you can, mm -hmm. you know, you'll just be influenced and you'll, and you'll start acting the way that everybody else acts. And, I mean, could that happen? You, it could happen. You know, you could be influenced. I think that's why you're talking about what you're what what you're talking about and why you why you all do this so that you build up that biblical foundation so that kids are not just like looking for every opportunity to just escape their faith, you mm -hmm. know, but they actually understand why they believe what they believe and they grow up wanting to believe what they believe and it's not indoctrination. So anyway, um, you know, but just this idea and it's such a wrong idea, such a wrong concept that we have to separate ourselves uh, from the world in that way. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus engaged with people, right? He met them yeah. where we, where, where they were, and he did it while never giving up his authority. And he yes. did it while never giving up his ability to speak into their lives and to influence. And, and he was never influenced in a negative way. And so that's the difference. And I think that that's where um, that's such a major emphasis of, of what you do and, and what apologetics is, is teaching us that we don't have to, there's no way that we can just walk around living in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And if we can do that and we do that for a period of time, what I've seen, I've seen only negative results from that. Like, I, or, or maybe I shouldn't say only, I've seen more negative results than positive results because what inevitably happens, somebody who, Who's, who grows up that way in that sort of, whether it's through indoctrination or it's just through being sheltered or whatever, but kind of growing up in that bubble, I think you already mentioned this or you alluded to, once that bubble pops, it's just like frenzy. <laughs> it's like, I'm free. Let me just forget about everything, uh, all this other stuff. And so that's just, you know, it's not the approach, first of all, that I see in the life of Jesus. You know, it's 
being able to engage with the world, to engage with culture, um, and but at the same time, but coming from that strong biblical understanding of who we are, who God is, what we believe, and why we believe it. You know. Yeah, and I think that's one part that's that's scary for parents. The scariest um, part, because I, I have sure. a bit of tension there too. Uh, just. I think it was about two years ago, there was this movement that was, um, you know, <clears throat> they were talking about how, well, you need to just pull your kids out of public school. Mm-hmm. Public school is evil. They're, you know, they're teaching all the uh, left-wing ideology. And yes, it is coming uh, coming through there. And I was, I, I, I've been hesitant to get on board with that because, um, for one, I don't think that that works necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes when kids, and, and I've met them because uh, when we were stationed in Germany, you know, some a lot of the parents there are primarily homeschooled and some did it as a way to kind of keep all that out. But what they were failing to do is engage with it in the home. And sometimes that can be an easy thing to fall into because, okay, right. you've got these great, all this great curriculum that teaches from a biblical worldview. It doesn't necessarily teach what it is or how to formulate or how to defend it or how to recognize gotcha. other worldviews. It just teaches from that. So it, it provides kind of the safety net. So like you said, you know, you have sort of this preacher's kid syndrome to where once they get out and get that first taste of freedom, they go crazy. And, uh, mm. and, and I, I get the the desire to, to have that bubble. I mean, nowadays, and it's so funny you mentioned, it, I was like, I was sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, he was probably in church more than he was at home. And, uh, and nowadays they not Just only about. have just about they not only have dance teams sports teams um they've got the christian version of scouts now to where you can pretty much have your kid in all these extracurricular activities and every single one of them is has basically been kind of like jesified hopefully that's not offensive to people but i mean in a way yes it's um and to where they're they're kept in this nice little package and you think it's good but it's not because see there's other little kids there and one thing i realized uh teaching from at a christian private school is overhearing the conversations that the high schoolers were having mm-hmm. let me just tell you folks they are the exact same conversations that the public school kids are having and yeah. i was really yeah. surprised by some of the content and some of their of their weekend activities and again it's because that that compartmentalization of the faith is kids okay they, they know how to be sunday christians and wednesday night christians but they don't know how to live it out in, yes, in real life 100%. and so <clears throat> The bubble is, again, it's pulling your kids out or, or keeping them away from these things. It's, I understand the desire to, and to an extent, especially when they're little, that may be, that may be an appropriate route to take um, if they're not uh, understanding what's happening. Um, and you, again, it really kind of depends on the kid too. Um, I've got three boys and my boys were, are, have all been in public school. Initially we homeschooled, we, uh, came to a school district that, that we really liked. And so we put them in public school and they've been doing fine. And we've actually been able to engage with some of the material that they've been discussing. Some of my kids have come home with stories, you know, that they've told of discussions they've had with their friends. So there's something to be said about, allowing your child to be in a setting to where they can stand firm in the faith, to where they can shine their light to their friends, yeah. to where they can even be challenged. There's something to be said for that. So I, I complete, again, I'm not poo-pooing parents who, who pull their kids out, that sort of thing. Again, um, you know, if I, if I lived in, in like California, per, uh, for example, I probably would. Um, just uh, at least in the younger ages, just so we can discuss those issues um, uh, from home. Um, But, you know, there is something to be said about allowing your child in an age appropriate manner to be engaged. And the reason Mm -hmm. I I say that that's important is because they're already getting that from the world. 
If you True. sit down yep. and watch your kids' cartoons, cartoons geared toward preschoolers, this ideology is already there. Yeah. The problem is, is sometimes we pull our kids out of all of this stuff and we forget that the world is indoctrinating them in all these other ways to where we think, okay, well, it's fine. We're going to keep them in this nice little bubble. We're going to talk about maybe some worldviews in junior high, maybe high school. Um, I did a survey of 300 Christian schools around the country and found that 60%-ish taught only one semester of apologetics, only one okay. out of all of those private schools. <laughs> and when you think of more than one semester, it dropped to like 10%, like hardly everyone, or anyone engaged with it. But what they weren't realizing is that, okay, so you're only gonna give your kids maybe one semester of apologetics, which the school I worked for, that's all they had. Senior year, you got one semester, that was it. Yeah. Um, and what they weren't realizing is, okay, but they have been getting groomed since preschool of yes. this biblical worldview. Yep. And now you've got one semester to address those issues to there's the, you know, all of these um, <clears throat> things that you're going to have to overcome strongholds that are going to be there. Uh, uh, lies that have been entrenched and ingrained in their brains that, you know, you're going to have to overcome. That's challenging. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that if you are just encountering apologetics now and you've got a teenager in the house, that life is hopeless. That's sure. that's not true. And I think a lot of parents um, I've found are kind of intimidated by that because they think, oh, if I didn't start my kid in apologetics when he was three, I've missed the boat. No, 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 no. You haven't. You actually have a lot of advantages to starting as a teenager than you would as, as a little kid too. There are going to be some challenges, but it's you're going to be able to dive deeper into more issues and read books on the same level. You're you know you're not gonna you're not gonna give your preschooler. Um, <laughs> I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's just not going to work out. No, um, not. So so there is there is hope, but yeah, the the. Um, it's definitely, uh, I think, important to allow your kid to be challenged. Yeah, so there's so many things I want to say right now. Uh, I know, I'm so uh, sorry. I rambled and I no, was no, like, no. I need to No, because, <laughs> because everything you're saying is is resonating with me so well. There are just a lot of different, I know I know which, whatever I jump off of, that's going to take us down one trail and there's like so many so possibilities. Many. So There is. Um, but but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you 100% on, on what you're saying. I really think that, there's a conversation that needs to be had around around this issue of like if we are not teaching our kids we can't we 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 cannot be naive and be in denial to the fact that someone else is teaching them so like yes. if we're not if we're not discussing issues with them because we think they're they're too young for that or because <laughs> we we don't know we don't have all the answers or you know i know that something that a lot of parents struggle with is they don't know how to instruct their kids and even let's just talk about teenagers they don't know how to instruct their teenagers in uh like what they i guess in proper things in terms of like let's just like modesty in terms of um yeah. how to navigate the you know sexual th things and stuff like that because they're thinking their mind is stuck on all the mistakes that they made when they were when they were that age. And yeah. so they don't know how that they can instruct their child now because because they don't want to feel like a hypocrite or, you know, mm -hmm. even if their child knows, maybe their child has an idea <laughs> of like what the their parent was like when they were that age. And so they feel like there might be a disconnect there. But I love that you said it's not hopeless. Whatever situation you're in, however old your kids are, however, you know, whether you've uh, been perfect up to this point or if you've you've messed it up up to this point or you've what, whatever, wherever you are right now, like there is no hopeless situation. And so just uh, I think starting from there and and recognizing that like it's OK to start 
the ball rolling, to start the process and having conversations with our kids. Because again, if we're not doing it, they're getting that information from somewhere. I told you a minute ago, Amy, that like I grew up, I was, I was in church and I was in Christian school. And yeah. I remember, I remember being six years old in first grade and regularly talking about sex mm-hmm. with all, with my, like most of my friends that were in Christian school with me <laughs> that were yeah. also six years old. And like, it doesn't make a difference that I've found whether you're what wh- what kind of school you're in, yeah. uh, Christian or public or whatever, um, you know, I had the experience of being in in both, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a whole lot of difference. I, I am grateful for, and this is why I do believe in in Christian school. Um, not for everybody, mm-hmm. but if you, I, I I do believe in it in terms of the the values that like the teachers will instill, yeah. um, the the memorization of scripture. I remember memorizing scripture as early as five years old, and I still remember them to this day. So I think that there's definitely benefits to it. But in terms Absolutely. of the the morality, like when you're around other people and other kids, mm-hmm. stuff's going to come out and you're going to yeah. start to... You're <laughs> Everybody's gonna start got an older to, brother. <laughs> yeah, you're going to start to pick up on stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important that as parents, we are not being naive about what our children are being exposed to. And Mm. I think being willing to, as you said, protect and defend them, Mm. not by sheltering them or living in denial, but by actually equipping them and preparing them by having those, some of those difficult and challenging conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And just to, um, because I know I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, there's so many things I want to like piggyback (laughs) off of. So just for a, a, a little aside, so uh, for recent research that I've been doing, so parents, just to put this in a little bit in perspective, so there was a a power to dis- power to decide campaign. If you just Google it, it'll come right up to where they were surveying and seeing, okay, with teens, um, what influence does their parents have regarding ideas and standards of sexuality? And yeah. so they surveyed parents to see, okay, parents, what influence do you think you have? And the parents were like, man, my kid is not listening. Totally tuning me out. When they surveyed kids, so check this out, folks. Um, So kids 12 to 15 years old, 59% rated parents as having the highest influence regarding sexuality and understandings. 59%, 12 to 15 years old. Now, 16 to 19 year olds, 32% rated parents Mm, as the highest, which was higher than their friends. So friends came in second, parents came in first, and then they would say like other, like, you know, YouTube or, or it's, you know, shows that they're watching on TV. So just putting that out there, parents, if you don't think you have an influence, I lovingly tell you that you are wrong. You have a great Come influence. On. Your kids are listening and they want to have these discussions. Um, second of all, what, what made me think of it is, is understanding the battlefield. The part, probably the best thing that you can have as a parent is understanding that there is a battle going on. It's, it's not only ideological, but it's also spiritual. It is waging. It is going after your kids. Um, it, again, you know, if you don't think sure. your kids are old enough to discuss some of these issues that are in pop culture, the world does. And they're already marketing to your kids wow. through things like The Loud House, Craig of the Creek. Um, it's there. Um, I watch it with my kids. I watch cartoons with my kids. Um, and I, we're able to see this and, and take advantage of it. But it is there. And one thing that, that comes to mind is in Chronicles of Narnia, we got to see the progression of two people. We got to see Lucy and Edmund. <clears throat> Both of them went into Narnia. But there was a difference. So Lucy, even though she was initially duped by Mr. Tumnus, he warned her about, okay, look what's what's happening. You have to be watchful of the white witch. You have to be watchful of the trees. She was warned and she was cautious of it. 
Edmund was not. Instead, he saw the beauty and the majesty of Narnia. He saw the beauty of the White Witch, and he heard the things that she was saying that sounded so good, that sounded so tempting, that made, she was going to make him a prince. She was going to offer him all of these earthly delights. I mean, gosh, folks, does this sound familiar to what we're hearing today in culture? And he succumbed to it because he wasn't warned, because he wasn't trained. And folks, it was easier to train Lucy than it was to rescue Edmund. And that is the wow. idea that we, that's what we got to realize with our kids is that when it comes to our kiddos, it's easier to train them than it is to try and rescue them from that and realize, oh man, you know, there's something now, again, I don't want to spark fear or think, oh, I have to cover everything sure. all right now. But what I am saying is that any effort you put forth it's, it's going to be worth it. You're going to be um, training up your kids. And that's why we see Paul in Ephesians 6. He talks about training up your kids with training and instruction. And he lists that. And I, I think it's really interesting that he puts that right before talking about the armor of God. And when you actually study how the ancient Romans, which he was very familiar with, how they trained and, and to become soldiers is they would have to not only learn tactical stuff like how to fight and that sort of thing, they had to study warfare, they had all this training, and it wasn't until they were completely done with their training that they were called a soldier and presented with a sword. And mm. so this is what's so important with our kids is God is giving every single one of us, to include your kiddos, a set of armor. Are you helping them and training them to wield that armor? Or is it something that's just sort of put on a shelf somewhere? So the last thing so we want our kids do is to be fumbling with this armor. We want to be able to encourage them and to equip them. And you can do that again at any age. If you've got preschoolers, you can start. If you've got elementary school, you can start. If you've got kids that are going to leave for college in a few months, guess what? You can start. Yeah. So it's they're they're still there they're still uh um lovingly pouring in this this influence and even even if you've got adult kids you can still pour into them i had a i had one dad come up after a conference that i spoke at and he he was kind of feeling a little helpless he was like i i didn't do this my kids are 20s and they're in college and i'm like Okay, but they're still breathing, right? They're still coming home at, at Thanksgiving, Christmas. They still want you to do their laundry. Cool, pour into them. You, yeah. you, know, you can still yeah. be a faithful witness. Yeah, that's good. So how do you think um, we can balance this? Um, mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned the word tension, like sort of mm -hmm. this tension between protecting and defending our kids mm -hmm. in terms of, um, you know, protecting and defending their innocence. Maybe that's a good way yeah. to say it. Um, how do we balance that with yeah. what we're talking about, equipping them and preparing them to face life and issues and challenges and things like that? You know, how, maybe like, what are some ways? Because I imagine that, you know, I think age is a part of it, but yeah. I don't know if it's a specific age in terms of at this age, you should talk to every kid no matter what. Or if yeah. we're, you know, maybe we're, we're focusing more on, you know, paying attention to their specific level of maturity. But I guess I'm just wondering, you know, again, do you understand the question I'm asking? Like no, balancing yeah, those two things, not wanting to just expose them to everything right. that they're not ready for. Mm -hmm. But because I wonder, sometimes I, I, I maybe err on the side <laughs> of, of overexposing um, my, my kids. Um, but I... I I don't, I don't think I do, but maybe some people would think I do. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Like, so I have a 10 year old mm -hmm. and he started asking me some questions, uh, recently where, well, recently within the past year where we yeah. started getting into some discussions. One day we were riding in the car. You talked about the questions that come out when you're in the car. So he, he's sitting in the back seat and he, and he asked, uh, what is rape? And oh, so wow. I don't know, you know, he didn't really know. He didn't, um, he heard the word and he knew that mm -hmm. it was bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he knew that it was violent, like it was related to violence, mm-hmm. but he didn't really know what it was. And so at the time, there were some people around. It wasn't like a very good environment for me to get into that conversation right. with him. But I told him, buddy, that's a great question. And, you know, we'll talk about it later on. And I ended up coming back to it. And, you know, we had a discussion and, and he was just kind of like, like his eyes got big. <laughs> he was yeah. like, uh, <laughs> what? But I don't know if it was that same conversation and or or something else. But eventually we got around me and my 10 year old. We got around to talking about um, stuff like human trafficking and yeah. and uh, stuff like that started coming <clears throat> out. And again, like I'm coming from a perspective. I don't want him to be ignorant and oblivious to what's going on in the world. These are these are issues that are maybe big for mm-hmm. a child to wrap their head around. But they're going to hear it if they're even if they're you know they're my kids are I'm sure yours are too really good at just absorbing stuff so if you're listening yeah. to the news you mm-hmm. got stuff like that going on you're they're playing with their toys they're building Legos that you don't think they're paying attention but then like my kids will come back to me later and be like hey what did you mean when you said this and I yeah. was like what are you talking about I didn't even think you were you weren't even in the room like I didn't even think you were listening but they're so mm-hmm. good at picking up on stuff and so I don't know that discussion came out and I uh, I actually ended up um, there was a um, I'm not going to say the name of the movie, but there was a particular movie. I was like, like, hey, buddy, I want you to watch this movie with me. Mm-hmm. And um, we did it as a father son thing. It was a movie that I yeah. wouldn't let him watch on his own. Right. Um, it was a PG-13 movie, um, not particularly bad, in my opinion. There is some language and stuff in it. Um, some yeah. some violence. But you hear that at Walmart, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't like particularly over the top. Um, yeah. But again, it wasn't something that I would just let him sit down and watch. But right. with me, I was like, it, it showed that world. It it, it yes. showed that world of of sex trafficking, human trafficking. It, it showed that going on. Again, not it, there what wasn't explicit you like you know stuff, yeah. but mm-hmm. but it showed that world. And and yes. I was like, we're gonna watch this so that we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um. And so you know, I'm really personally into that of yeah. of exposing my my kids. I wouldn't do that with my six year old yet mm-hmm. right. but my my 10 year old is really mature he actually fought me on it he didn't want to watch it it took me uh-huh. a couple months actually to convince him hey but i want you to watch this movie with me because mm-hmm. he's really he's really mature and he's set in his mind on like i don't want to see this kind of stuff like when i was his age right. i was sneaking horror movies late at night and i was doing all that kind of stuff and then i was afraid yeah. to like be in the bathroom by myself you know <laughs> but he won't do that at all like he's very mm-hmm. much like he doesn't want to see anything that's going to scare him so I, I have yeah. a level of trust in him when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, um, it just seemed like uh, as a father, and you know, I think discernment comes in here and stuff like yes. that, seemed like the right time to expose him to something that's going on in the world that's real because yes. his questions prompted me to do that so we, that we could have a deeper, like a higher level conversation mm-hmm. and th- start thinking about stuff like... Um, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, you, I think, I honestly, I think you handled it the same way we would have handled it. Um, and I, I do like that approach because there, there are some instances to where you're going to, your kids are going to bring up a subject that you haven't prepped them on. And that's totally fine, you know, because it's going to happen that, like you said, there's going to be a conversation. They're going to overhear something on a song. Maybe you're at a, a grocery store or at a restaurant and they overhear somebody sure. else's conversation sure. and they hit you just out of nowhere. And you're like, oh man. So I love that. Um, you were not only sensitive to the environment because, you know, kids are going to ask questions and they, they have a great habit of doing 
doing it at, at very inopportune times. So I love that you not only deferred to another time, but you followed up on it because that's that's so integral. Kids will ask questions, but they will kind of forget sometimes what they asked them. So it's great to follow up with them and say, hey, you remember the other day when when you asked about yeah. this? And um, and so on, well, I love that. That's why, not to interrupt you, that's why I have a wife. Yeah. Because she reminds me of stuff like that. Hey, you said you were going to talk to him. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So um, when it comes to that balance of when is it appropriate and when is it not in a way that almost requires a little bit of research on our part as parents. Okay. Uh, so because if something is being marketed to your kid at a certain age, then you want to be first in line to be able to talk to them about it um, for the perspective of giving a balanced look at it. Because a lot of times what they're getting in TV and cartoons and on music and in movies is very much not balanced. It's, oh, no, this is yeah. great. You know, um, <clears throat> the whole sex positivity movement is all about anything as long as it's not monogamous, heterosexual within a marriage sex is great. Everything, right. you know, but the other stuff right. is negative, you know, so you want to be able wow. to address that and give a balanced look. OK, look, here's what the worldview is saying. Here's what it actually says about God, you as a person, your body, um, morality, that sort. So we want to be able to, to be first in line, to give that, and then to offer them the opportunity to think about it. So what I, what I like doing and what we do at Mama Bear is we present both sides and we're like, okay, so here's both sides. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's a great, it's a great um, way to open up an awesome conversation with your kiddos. Be like, so what do you think about this? So now that we've looked mm -hmm. at both sides, what do you think? What are they really saying? And kids... They do. They like having these discussions. Your 10 year old would probably really flourish with it. And one thing that I think, um, and you kind of mentioned it too, is you get a little nervous, like, oh man, you know, how much is too much information? How much is too little? And again, yeah. when um, we have a, Hillary and I wrote a book that's going to be coming out this fall. Um, it's a mama bear guide to sexuality. And we're, we're discussing and addressing the, the issues that are going on in culture today. And so when I was doing um, research regarding um, I, I, this chapter, this portion was was called a girl's battlefield and a boy's battlefield. How this sexual ideology is is working on our kids. And mm. one thing that uh, this study had found is that um, girls who had been exposed, whether it's like they had watched TV and that sort of thing, and they saw people making poor decisions and were able to discuss that with their parents, those kids were less likely to make bad decisions. However, and these were Christian kids. However, the Christian kids that were kept in the bubble, that they weren't discussed this and they weren't actually addressing these issues, those kids were more likely to have risky behaviors than the other kids who may have been able to kind of wrestle with these issues, may have been exposed to it in a bit and discussed with it. So discussion is key. And so yes. I think that's one thing um, for us as parents is to understand that it's very powerful and it's, we never want, we, we hate the idea of our kid losing their innocence. And it's so easy to do nowadays because if, if you've got one of these, you know, yeah, the, and your kid has access yeah. to it, uh, two clicks and and the innocence is gone. Yeah. Um, even on even on television, there um, there's a burger chain, uh, Carl's Jr. That a few years ago they were running these ads selling burgers and they were having supermodels in lingerie looking ketchup off their thighs. And that was right, on, right in between cartoons. And it's like, yeah. hello, four year old. You know, I mean, it's 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 crazy how much it's yeah. out there. Um, but there is something to be said about having your kid prepared because like we've said, the battlefield is there. Your kids are in it. The worst thing you can do is have your kid be totally oblivious to the fact they're in a battlefield. So again, it's about discernment. It's about maturity levels. Like you mentioned, it's about picking age appropriate content. Cause again, you don't want to scar the kid for life, sure. but there is something to be said for having a bit of a reality in there. We, um, 
my kids, uh, you know, you probably know boys, boys in war, you know, they, they love war. Um, and so they, they were getting really enamored with it. So we had, um, my husband and I, similar to you, we had, we had picked out a movie that we'd already seen, um, that depicted what war was, is really like, and we're like, okay, we're going to sit with you and we're going to watch this. And it provided perspective and context to these kids that may not quite understand the depths of these issues. And the same with, um, you know, struggles that kids have in the faith or, or cultural challenges that are being marketed toward kids. It's important to, to let them see it a bit. Um, and to be able to discuss with them about it again, you're in that safe, uh, environment of the home to where you can wrestle with these issues. I know some parents think that, well, if my kids know about it, then they're going to go after it. You know what? No, because mm. we all have sin nature. They're going to go after it regardless of if you mention it or not, they're going to get it from their friends. They're going to get it from their phones. So our goal as parents is to be first in line. So that way we can address it and we can, we can be speaking life into them as we're looking at the truth and reality of sin. Wow. Yeah, uh, I think, um, like like you said, our kids, they are potentially being exposed to things, um, I would say, quicker and more frequently, yeah. you know, with greater ease than uh, than probably ever before than when we were kids. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, and, and even me, again, going back to my background, and then I was like, at nine years old, I was in, I was unintentionally exposed to pornography mm-hmm. as a nine-year-old kid. And that's the average age. Isn't that crazy? Like eight years old is the average age. Can you imagine? You know, but that is, they just did a survey. So yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just nuts. And like, as a kid, like you don't even have the, I think the capacity to really process all of that. Mm -mm. All I knew is I want to see this every day for the rest of my life. Like that's, that's what I knew at the time. You know what I mean? And thankfully it wasn't as accessible um, (laughs) back then for me as it is today, because I would have, We've been looking at every day for the rest of my life. You know, it took mm-hmm. me until my teenage years to where we got dial-up internet, and then, you know, then then things kind of changed. But it was, uh, but even back then, mm-hmm. just completely unbeknownst to my parents, completely unbeknown, you know. And and uh, here I am, a nine-year-old kid, and it's just it's there. It's now it's part of my life, and I can't unsee that. And it's just it's just part of it. And so, yeah, I think. Um, just recognizing the importance of that, that, uh, it's so much better for them to learn from us, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning, uh, obviously. And like you said, I mean, there's no way we're going to catch everything. We can't, <laughs> no. we can't, we can't catch everything and some things are going to slip through the cracks, but, but I think, you know, and the, and the way that you describe apologetics, it sounds to me a lot like discipleship. Is that, yeah. am I, am I, am I right? No, that? you're like, totally. Exactly. I think that most parents wouldn't really be, um, you know, I, I think as parents, we don't really think about it. I know I don't really think about it in those terms that we're like discipling our kids. But but really, that's what I think that's what this is about. That's what that's what we're talking about. It's um, teaching them to follow Jesus, teaching them mm-hmm. to, to follow Christ, teaching them, you know, and so we do that through modeling. We do that through think what you were saying is so key about leaving open that leaving that door open so that they can come to us and ask questions and feel like not you know not even that we're going to have all the answers but just that they can have that confidence to ask you know that ability to to ask when things happen uh when things come up when someone so said this and and it you know i didn't know what it meant and you know just being able to have that open door with our kids where they can come be open with us and to know that we're not going to like 
condemn them or rebuke yeah. them or be like, you can't talk about that stuff. You're a Christian. Like, mm-hmm. come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, so we totally I, can. If Jesus can talk about it, we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I love that you, that you phrase it that way because it is. And I think in a way that's almost makes it more accessible to parents, because when you hold up discipleship and apologetics, I think most folks kind of gear toward discipleship because it sounds more accessible. Whereas apologetics, it seems like you need a tweed jacket and like, you know, a a pipe and and an amazing (laughs) library, you know, to be able to, to, to have. So yeah, it is, it is just active discipleship and it's just preparing your kids to be uh, to be faithful witnesses in Christ, if if they accept him as their savior. Um, I like to say that, you know, you want to raise your kid to be competent and not necessarily be focused on conversion. Because when, we, when we're so focused on conversion and on getting that little one who requires water wings to enter the baptismal, you know, that's not the goal. We want our kids to be able to be yeah. competent. Um, yeah. Holy Spirit, that he's in charge of, of yes. conversion. And so if that doesn't happen uh, under your roof, you're not failing as a parent. I think that's one thing is <clears throat> I see a lot of parents have this this huge pressure that they think, oh, my kid needs to accept Christ before they leave elementary school where I've somehow failed. Uh, and that's not the case. Some kids, they're, it's going to take a while. It's, sometimes it's going to come through a friend. Sometimes it's going to come through a youth pastor. Sometimes they're going to be adults. They're, we've met, and I know you have too, Duke, of multiple people who didn't come to faith until you know they were in their 30s, 40s, 50s, mm. 60s. Yeah. And that's just the, the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that whole saying of you can't teach an old dog new tricks does not apply to Jesus. Um, you, it, it's, uh, <laughs> and, on. and so as, as parents, it's just this, it's, it's a wonderful blessing, but in a way it almost makes us feel vulnerable because it takes a little bit of our control away. Cause we would love it. If I, I, me as a mom, I would love it. If all of my kids left my house at 18 or whenever they decide to go to college, military, whatever. Um, and, and they were, they were faithful witnesses in Christ, but that's, that's not my role as a parent. My role as a parent is to make them competent before our Lord and savior. So Mm. free will and, uh, and their own salvation that's, that's in their hands in the Holy spirit. So in a way it's, it's a bit freeing, I think, as parents to realize that pressure is off you in that sense. Yeah. So can I ask you a loaded question? Oh gosh, that's fun. (laughs) Sure. Um, how, how do you think um, that parents can begin to lay like a good biblical foundation or, or um, lay the groundwork for teaching and fostering a godly view of sex and sexuality? You know, like that's a that's a big issue. We've been yeah. we've been talking back and mm-hmm. forth. Uh, you know, as we've been talking here, we've been kind of um, in and out of, of that issue. And yeah, I mean, they're they're probably maybe not in every situation, but, but most of our kids are probably being, um, exposed to, you know, these kinds of things and conversations mm-hmm. and ideas and ideologies, yeah. um, you know, pr- probably sooner than we would expect. Um, yeah. and so how do you think, what do you think are some things, some practical things maybe that we can do in our homes to sort of lay that biblical, you know, groundwork so that they're not just thrown to the wolves out there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Probably the best thing is, I think, kind of happens with us as parents is we have to be okay with talking about it. And it's such a taboo subject. I think every family sitcom, they always have one episode where, you know, the dad or the mom has to do the talk. And it's super awkward. And the dad's usually bumbling. And the mom always has like one of those horrific books of like STDs. And she's like, there you go. There's your there's your talk. And so having proper being okay with talking about it for one, and understanding that sex isn't an act, it's actually a communication of a worldview. Because when we think about it, what we do with our bodies communicates what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about his uh, design. 
um, for our bodies and, and his goodness and truth. So understanding that, I think it, in a way it kind of helps bring a little bit of the reality to it. Like, okay, this is a weighty issue. This isn't just, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to say penis, you know, yeah. it's, it's no, <laughs> we're actually communicating one of the, the greatest creations that, that God has made and how it nurtures a family. And what I love is yeah. there's so much scientific support for avoiding sex before marriage, as well as the beauty of um, sex within marriage and how it nurtures the family that, I mean, even if you were going to leave all of theology out of it and you were just going to look at the science, um, there is so much in favor and that supports the biblical design. I mean, it's, it's astounding. And it's yeah. interesting because a lot of movements nowadays, especially sex positivity movement, um, a lot of videos coming out of Planned Parenthood, they're, they almost in a way uh, ignore it, or it's very surface level that they cover it. Um, in fact, I'm looking at <clears throat> sex positivity, which again, like, like I had mentioned earlier, is this belief that you can sleep with whomever, do with yourself, whomever, how many people, regardless of if you're in a marriage, if you want to be with three people, four people, if you want to be swapping, like it's the seventies, you know, all of that's okay. Yeah. As long as you're consensual and you're getting pleasure from it, which is Gnosticism right there. Um, but then that now becomes your God and your idol. And it says, well, you wow. know, you they'll say things like well you have to be careful you have to practice safer sex which there's no such thing as safer sex um that's a myth in and of itself and it says well you know some people may have trouble adjusting to let's say hookup lifestyle and what they're what they're not covering is how much alcoholism and even drug use is seeped in hookup culture how uh depression rates skyrocket from people who are in wow. there how uh, hpv or, i mean of course you, you got hpv and std rates going up but just the emotional fallout from that um not only in we often think of in women but in men as well not to mention the fact that men and women both uh, have struggles with intimacy within marriage once they do yeah. finally get married there's yeah. just so much there so again understanding those issues that that there's a that it's not just sex it's worldview um that we're discussing um, and, and just being, being very frank with your kids. Uh, we had some friends at a, a church that we used to go to when we lived on the other side of Fort Worth that their kids just in the middle of dinner, they're having lasagna and had asked them, okay, well, well, what sex? And they're like, well, all right, let's do this. You know, we're here. So they're serving up lasagna <laughs> and she just lays it out. And it was so funny. So they're, they're foster parents. They had, I think seven or eight children. And so all of these kids ranging from like preschool to sixth grade are, are hearing what it is. And it was so funny because some of the kids burst out laughing. One girl was in complete denial that like, no, this is not how this works. This is not how babies get here. And it was just this funny experience for them. Um, but it, it opened the door and they would ask, you know, just questions whenever. So having that not only a safe doubting atmosphere, like we talked about earlier, when it comes to questions of the faith, but when it comes to sexuality, having an open door, like, Hey, you know what? Let's talk about it. Um, if you uh, are, if your friends are bringing stuff up, taking advantage of things that you see on TV, because gosh, you know, primetime TV now it's, it's there. It's, yeah. um, <clears throat> and so you, you can't really avoid it. And so when, and even in commercials, stuff will come up to where we just take what we do with our kids is, is we will, you know, pause it and we'll discuss the issues and say, okay, well, um, here's what they said, uh, um, here's what they said in the commercial. Here's what they said in the show. What are they saying about the world? What are they saying about morality? What are they saying about your body? And again, my kids are older. I've got 13, 11, and nine. Um, 
And so we're able to ask more of these weightier issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so it's important just to take advantage of those little moments and they will, they'll come up and ask you questions like, Hey, you know, I heard my friend saying this, or I've even had my kids come, come running in and be like, Hey mom, we pause this, come watch this, see what you think. Cause they know they're like, okay, you know, this is, this is dicey or there's, uh, there's something here. And it's just been <laughs> yeah. great to have discussion. Uh, music, gosh, um, I have a 13 year old going on 14 and the music nowadays yeah. is uh, very much in your face. Lots sure. of opportunity for discussion there. So I think just having those opportunities, uh, taking advantage of the small moments, again, age appropriate things. Um, I mentioned Craig of the Creek earlier. It's a show geared toward elementary school kids, but they depicted characters who were um, preschool, kindergarten age. So maybe four or five. And one of them, he had like a little stuffed alligator and he asked to be identified as the they, them pronoun. Uh -huh. There it is, you know, for little kids. So yeah. here uh, you've got an opportunity to discuss, okay, well, what is this? And, um, and so taking advantage of the small moments, uh, not getting too squirmy. Again, you know, use it may be awkward to talk about some of these issues, especially modesty can be dicey with, uh, with girls. Because again, you think of past hurts like... Um, the 90s purity culture was oh, very, gosh, yeah. oh my gosh, like very pharisaical when it came to, um, when it came to modesty, it was just, you know, girls, you, if you have a, a feminine figure, you're sinning, you're, you're tripping up, uh, the other guys, you know? And, and so it was very much, um, legalistic in a way. And so there have been a whole group of progressive parents who have kind of overreacted, overcorrected, I'd say. And now they're saying, okay, well, any sort of standard on dress, behavior, um, sexual right. activity, we're yeah. not going to do any of that because, you know, we, we were traumatized as kids. So now we're going to overcorrect and now yeah. not account for any form of sin. And it's a huge movement within the progressive church. So now we're almost like under the overcorrecting and saying, okay, wait a second, let's look at the problems. Let's look at what's being said here. Where now, where, what does the Bible say and bringing it back mm. to scripture? So, um, it's just being willing to have those conversations. And there's a lot of great resources. Again, this book that we've got coming out here in the fall, we're going to be addressing some of those issues, or well, we're going to try to address as many as we can um, yeah. that parents are, are facing. Because yeah, sin now um, is being whitewashed as fundamentalism to where all sin <clears throat> is now saying, no, 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 you can't believe in sin at all. That's just wrong and oppressive. You need to be your true self. Mm. You express yourself, live your truth we are now our own gods. And so it's, um, it's, it's there and it's very attractive to our young people because it, it tells them exactly what they want to hear. It makes them their own God without telling them about all the traps that they're going to fall into and all the struggles and the, and the brokenness that's there. So it's important for us to be engaging that. Wow. Yeah. Again, there's so much there. Um, I know. It's like, <laughs> oh, you can talk for, forever on it. Yeah, specifically on on the the modesty conversation. I mean, yeah. what is modesty anyway? Um, that it's a it's I feel like it's kind of a convoluted term, but yeah. uh, but there was definitely. I'm wondering if if this is uh, still the what you think of as far as this still being the case today, or mm -hmm. or what you think the differences are. Uh, I grew up, you know, in the in that '90s uh, purity culture, you mm -hmm. know, as well, and there was definitely a double standard on the girls and the boys yeah. there's definitely you know this thing where the it wouldn't just be blatantly said this way but i like the the boys lust would be basically mm -hmm. blamed on the girls for the way that they were dressing and stuff yeah. like that and 
I think that there's stuff to to see on both sides there. But 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 what I'm saying is I think that there was um, definitely a double standard. I think that there's still a double standard when it comes to that today in terms of the the girls versus the boys. Um, you know, what's okay for boys to get away with that girls can't get away with and, and yeah. stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It was almost like it seemed anyway that the, the lust of the boys was kind of excused to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And the fact that, well, if you dress like this, they're not going to be able to control themselves. Yeah. You know, and sort of putting that sort of negativity on the girls. And so, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on, like, on that, on call it modern day modesty, like um, how we can instruct, because here's the deal. The reality is that um, there is a for sure over-sexualization of, or maybe over is probably, over probably doesn't even need to be in that in that phrase, just the sexualization um, of young girls. I think, oh, I, I think that culture is very aggressive in that in that way um i think you know again listening to the music they listen to you know we're talking eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds the the music videos that they're watching and the music they're listening to and what it's about and who the role models are and what's portrayed on tv going back to what you said earlier about that netflix show cuties and like all of this stuff that's just out there and in their faces and not to mention which is this is probably even a bigger deal than any of that is um you know once you get on instagram um, you know, with all the filters and like all the oh stuff gosh, where yeah. where the the idea that I think that girls grow up, um, not all girls, thankfully, but, you know, that a lot of girls are growing up with this ideology that I have to look this way. I have to appear yeah. sexy. I have to appear like this. I, I, you know, I have to kind of fit into that mold in order to get attention. And yeah. um, I don't know, is there uh, like a a healthy conversation around that for parents and you know their young girls raising them up not to feel like okay you've got to dress like a nun and you know not not show your ankles <laughs> All mission but, standard. but like balancing it out to where you know be a, be aware of the the way you're dressing and maybe it even comes down to i think in some some ways i think it comes down to motive as well you know why are you wearing what you're wearing you know do you wear it because you honestly like it and because you think it looks good on you or Mm -hmm. because you're trying to elicit some kind of a response or reaction or something like that and i just think that the way that that culture is sort of bombarding and attacking our kids and our young people um with this you know sexualization uh that's going on i i just think that it's um leading to a really unhealthy understanding of how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to relate to the opposite sex. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, thoughts? no, and I, I know I'm just kind is. of all over the place in my, no, no, you're, yeah, you're not. Um, and, and yeah, it, it is, it's a, it's a hugely dicey issue. And I think, you know, before we talk about modesty, the, the first thing to acknowledge is again, every, every culture and time period has a different standard of modesty. So to an extent, yes, modesty sort of shifts a little bit. What we, like, I'm looking at myself, I'm in like a, a nicer shirt, but I'm totally wearing sweatpants, just full disclosure. So <laughs> me wearing hey. this 200 hey. years ago would be considered super immodest. So, right. so again, there is something yeah. to be said uh, that, okay, there is a little bit of shift, but again, there there is also a very real agenda that exists and a very real sexualization that occurs. And like you mentioned, it starts when they're very little. So when I was doing research um, for 
my book, one thing I noticed, and in fact, you probably saw this, um, this uh, sort of uprising that, that came about is, have you ever heard of the LOL surprise dolls? Uh, oh, so yeah, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I they're have, these yep. little tiny Should little plastic me. dolls. They look like toddlers, most of them. Some look like, you know, preteen girls. Uh, so what they found is these little toddler baby dolls, which they come in these little these little circle, like little plastic spheres. And, and you know, they've got like little hats and things with them. Well, what they found is, <clears throat> besides the fact that these dolls are already dressed like prostitutes, is that when you put the dolls in cold water, it would, it would have these little things show up on their bodies that look like bondage, uh, fishnet stockings, leather straps, tattoos on their yeah. rears, you know, hyper-sexualized stuff. And parents were freaking out because it was a it was a mom actually that found it uh figured it out that if you put these dolls in ice water they come out <clears throat> looking like you know extras in 50 shades of gray <laughs> and she was very understandably upset because these yeah. toys are marketed toward very little girls and in fact pretty much by the time your kid is after the age of five you know there, there's these cutesy little animals but once they turn five it seems like all the action figure dolls um they they all know which hotels charge by the hourly rate. They are just in these mini skirts and these mm, big bougie yeah. lips. And what's interesting is these dolls geared toward eight, nine, ten year old girls and even younger um, are wearing the exact same outfits and having the exact same lips and makeup and mannerisms as these hyper sexualized females depicted in boys' video games. They're they're almost wow. identical. Wow. Um, the sad thing is, is like with LOL surprise, these are toddlers, the toddler baby dolls dressed this way. So, I mean, okay, what sort of message are we, are we sending yeah. now? Crazy. Um, this is kind of like a, you know, the frog being boiled in the pot of water. As long as it's gradual, yes. you don't really notice it. And a lot of parents aren't noticing it. And one thing that I was noticing too, was that parents also don't think that their kids are picking up these messages. They're like, okay, yeah, you know, the, the doll is scantily clad, but the kids don't really notice. And guess what, folks, they are, because wow. there have been studies done. In fact, the APA 15 years ago. So, I mean, gosh, imagine 15 years ago to now, like we've now yeah. we've got WAP and and uh, Briggerton and all these hypersexualized shows and, and songs and everything. So imagine 15 years ago when it seemed, uh, it seemed a, a little, at least a little bit nicer. They started a task force because the APA recognized that there was a hypersexualization going on with girls within culture and products. I'm talking everything from thongs for little girls, push-up bras for little girls. Um, again, the makeup, the, the Halloween costume. If you've got a daughter over yeah. the age of eight, right. Halloween costumes look like something that you would wear to entertain a bachelor party. Um, they're awful. And uh, so they started doing this study to see, okay, how is this affecting kids? And <clears throat> one thing they found is they, they took a group of six to nine-year-old girls and they gave them two paper dolls. The dolls were identical except for the clothing. One of the dolls had a crop top and short shorts, you know, seductive outfit. Another doll was attractively dressed. It looked nice and everything, but it had more modest, like a t-shirt, jeans, that sort of thing. Um, and so they asked the girls a few questions. They said, okay, <clears throat> which uh, doll or which girl do you think would be most popular? They voted the girl who sure. looked like she was wearing Daisy Dukes. They said, okay, sure. this girl's going to be most popular. So then they said, um, which doll would you like to look like as your ideal self? Six, nine-year-old girls, they picked the doll that was scantily clad. Mm, these yeah. girls are picking up these messages. And the problem with modesty that we saw in the 90s is, again, like you said, there was sort of this, this, this hyper-focus on girls. Like it's all the girls' responsibility for how you dress because guys can't help themselves and that sort of thing. And what's interesting is there is a um, – 
she's spirituality. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's a huge influencer on, on uh, Twitter. She writes books and everything for parents. She's very much progressive Christianity. Um, she actually chastised women for being upset if their spouses viewed pornography or if uh, they were addicted to pornography. She goes, well, wow. that's just how guys are. Like she goes, wow. you just need to accept it, ladies. And I'm like, can you imagine telling your daughter that for her future boyfriend? Like, this is just something you have to accept. Accept, yeah. sweetheart. Hey, this and is what no. you have to look forward to. Yeah, it's like yeah. no, that's garbage. But um, absolutely. <clears throat> so these these girls are being groomed to think that this is okay. That this is the um, that this is how they are supposed to dress. So again, modesty has had a problem because we've put it all onto the girls while saying the guys aren't accountable for their actions. That's not true. The guys are definitely accountable yeah. and they need to be. We need to raise our boys to have that accountability and to guard themselves. But what was lost was the ability to communicate that there are clothes and clothes do this. Clothes communicate a message. This is the whole reason you do not wear sweatpants to a job interview or to a first date. You want to communicate a good message. When you look up business clothes, certain clothes will pop up there. If you type in... Um, Dresses to wear to a club. Just say just to wear to a club. You know what's going to pop up are clothes that are very revealing, very scantily clad. And the problem with the sort of the the a casualty of modesty that happened in the 90s is that we've sort of lost the ability to say that, you know what, there are certain clothes out there that communicate a message because then mm. people say you're asking for it. No, no, no. Right, Nobody is right. asking for this certain attention. However, there are certain behaviors, there are certain clothes, and again, this varies for each culture, that communicate a certain hypersexualized message. This is why the ladies in all those action films are very scantily clad, or the gals in the video games for the boys are like doing ninja kicks in chainmail bikinis. I mean, sure. besides the fact that that would be super uncomfortable, they're <laughs> doing that because, again, they're trying to have this sort of titillization. So the girls are being groomed to objectify themselves, to act like pinups. They are being groomed by social mm. media as well to put on this performance. And the guys, it's this whole cyclical effect. The guys are being groomed from a very young age to say, okay, this is what beauty looks like. It has to have, yeah. you know, double D breasts and, right. and very scantily clad. She has to look this certain way. This is beauty. And this is how to respond, you know, with a sexually aggressive way. Girls are taught, this is beauty. You have to look this way to be beautiful, to be attractive, to be popular. You have to perform and get all of these likes and hearts, which is actually one of the things we see in the movie Cuties is this girl. Her name was um, Ami. She uh, ended up, we, we see her at the beginning of the movie just starting to get into social media and we see this progressive decline of her doing more and more risque things because she gets addicted to the like factor. And there is a definite connection. In fact, um, The yes. Social Dilemma was a, a series that just came out that, that covered yeah. that as well. And um, also when you look up the rise of such websites like OnlyFans, um, many of the girls that are right. now on OnlyFans, yeah. which is a, a porn for hire website, yeah. um, they said, oh, I wasn't even thinking of doing this, but because of Instagram, I was getting all these guys messaging, yeah. oh, you should get on OnlyFans. You can make money for this. Now all of a sudden a girl who wouldn't normally be ever considering this is now saying oh wait this is actually good plus throw in sex positivity saying oh yeah this is oh, empowering. It's a yeah this is oh, a yeah. good thing way to show you your go, femininity girl. beyonce yeah. you know um mm -hmm. all of those chipping in saying oh this is a good thing why wouldn't she this, it, in fact yeah. a business insider even had an article that they published giving people tips and tricks to grow their fan base and it was even not through business insider but through another um article it was even talked about oh this is the way to achieve the american dream strip your way to the american dream and it's like nobody is engaging in the worldview behind it and it's like folks this is and 
this is what's being marketed to, to your kids right now. So it's important, again, aware of the battlefield um, and then how to raise warriors in that is, okay, what are mm. they actually saying? What is the truth behind this? What is the falsehood behind this? You know, and understanding that it's very appealing to girls and to young boys, girls and, and well, and guys, they, people like getting the little dings on their phone. We like attention. Sure, um, we yeah. like praise and everything else, but sometimes that praise can encourage you to do really awful things and you don't realize it until you're so far there. And, um, <clears throat> I promise I'll stop talking, but one thing no, this is good that, stuff. Keep going. that reminds me is, um, the movie Pinocchio, uh, the 1940s Pinocchio movie. There's a scene to where, uh, Pinocchio has been enticed to come to Pleasure Island and he's, oh, it's great. You can do whatever you want there. You can smash things. You can smoke. You can drink. He's talking to Lampwick and they're on this wagon and he goes, oh, this is awesome. You don't have to listen to your parents. You can do whatever you want. So you see them getting on this boat and you see the the evil wagon master. And, you know, whenever he smiles, he just sort of morphs into sort of like this demon like character. And mm. so they get on the, they get on the boat and they go into Pleasure Island and they're able to indulge in everything that they've been promised. They're drinking, they're smoking, they're smashing windows, they're eating ice cream and all this other stuff all these all these things that they fantasized about but then they slowly start changing and they start morphing into these donkeys and they're panicked and the next scene is this donkey that's it's this little boy that's turned into a donkey but he can still talk um he hasn't lost his ability to speak and he goes mama i just want to go home to my mama and mm. the wagon master he and he has these dark shadowy figures close the gates he goes lock the gates so no one can get away and he picks up this this little donkey that's still talking and he goes you've had your fun now it's time to pay and it's wow. such I, I, I get shivers every time i think of it because yeah. it's it's such a perfectly yeah awful but accurate view of what our our culture is doing to our kids. It's promising all of these amazing things. It's promising you can do whatever you want, have whatever you want, be your ideal self, all of these beautiful things and not realizing that you're being sold into slavery. And when you wow. watch that scene again, if you if you go back to the beginning when Lampwick is first enticing and they're and they're talking on the wagon, if you look down, you notice that the wagon is being pulled by donkeys. They're being pulled and these children <laughs> are being brought in by the very folks who have fallen down it, which is exactly what you see in Romans wow. 1. You see folks who are compromising their worldview. They're turning away from God and turning to false idols, idols that look like themselves, and they're being completely degraded in mind and body. And then what are they doing? They're encouraging and enticing people to act like they are. It's wow. exactly what you see in scripture, folks. And it's and it's what's out there. And that's why, you know, doing this ministry is such a such a passion because it looks so beautiful and pretty. It's like the white witch. It looks so beautiful, but it's it's so toxic. It's so deadly. And we just need to we just need to raise Lucy or raise Lucy's and rescue our Edmonds. Come on. So come on. Oh, that was so good. I um oh, it's such a lie that um, you know, that kids don't uh kids and even teenagers that they don't want any kind of structure that they just want to be free from limitations, that they just want the freedom to do whatever they want. Um, it's, it's such a lie. It's really not yeah. true. You know, and the further that we go down these rabbit holes of undoing the fabric of society, undoing the fabric of, uh, you know, strong family values and, and these different things that, um, that, the, that the world is really trying to do is this mm -hmm. manipulative process of trying to pull us into a certain ideology like what you were just yeah. describing. And the further we go down there, I think more and more people start to wake up to exactly what you were talking about. You know what? I just want to go home. Like, yeah. this is not where 
this is not leading where I thought it was going to lead me. But the but there's this deceptive thing that says that I have to maintain the facade of it. I have to keep fitting yeah. in. I have to keep doing what I'm doing, thinking that, you know, because, again, the dings on your phone, the likes, the the comments, the the different things that you get. It's like that temporary, you know, momentary high that makes you feel like, OK, this is worth it. But then when you really, you know, have those moments where, you know, you you look back to where you started to where you are now and you're like, hold on, this is not what I thought this was going to be like. And, you know, we could we could relate that to so many different things. But that really is a beautiful picture, um, not a beautiful picture. It's a messed up picture, but it's a yeah. real picture. It's a beautifully uh, formulated picture um, that you just gave us of of what that looks like. And, um, you know, the idea that freedom is all about just being able to do whatever you want when you want, no matter what the consequences are. That is such a lie. And it's yeah. not the kind of freedom that is available to us in Christ. Yeah. You know, um, we are free. He has set us free. But Paul even says, you know, all things are, um, what's the word he uses? Um, um. All, all things are permissible, but not permissible. all things are beneficial. That's the word. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, all things are permissible, but all, all things are beneficial or profitable. So, yeah. um, you know, we're not we're not making decisions. And, and I think what we're talking about here is we're not we're not talking about raising up kids that are just being forced into, um, you know, a certain kind of ideology or certain kind of mm -hmm. lifestyle. We're not talking about raising up kids that are, um, you know, just just do this or else this is what you believe. You believe the Bible from cover to cover and that's it. Like, you know, like, like just uh, that indoctrination thing, not, you know, to come back to that again, yeah. where it's raising up our kids to make good decisions, mm -hmm. um, to value scripture, to value the word of God, to value themselves, you know, to value themselves uh, enough to not go down those those roads that are going to lead to maybe that temporary feeling, but that in the end are going to leave them feeling, you know, empty or feeling like they've been taken advantage of. Yeah. And, you know, so again, the just that that the lie that we're that removing structure is somehow good because the inhibitions are off and the the, the restrictions are off and removing those things. But really, um, our kids, if, if we would listen our kids are crying out for structure. Yeah, they really are. They're, they they need it. It's essential. And mm -hmm. um, for parents out there, this is a tricky one sometimes, I think, especially in the teenage years. Um, and especially if you haven't, you know, fostered this type of relationship with your kids up to this point. But like Amy said earlier, there's hope. <laughs> there's always hope yeah. and there's time to, to kind of right the ship. But the uh, um, but for for anybody out there who is maybe just feeling like um you know it's it's too late or whatever there's 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 always hope and yeah. um you know sometimes it's difficult for parents to you know there's this tendency with a lot of parents especially today to want to have that friendship with their kids mm -hmm. i think the older that they get the more we can sort of loose you know loosen up on that and we can begin yeah. to develop that friendship but it should not come in, especially in the formative years, in the teenage, you know, adolescence, like it should not come at the expense of um, I can't give you structure because Absolutely. I don't want you to be mad at me. I don't want you to be mm -hmm. frustrated with me. I don't, you know, any of that. Because um, what you're talking about, you called it a battlefield. 
And it really is. It's a battlefield. It's a minefield. And so, again, just coming back to what what you're all about, what your ministry is all about, um, learning to uh, just help to navigate our, our kids, teenagers. Um, this I think that this is super, super relevant for pastors, for leaders, for grandparents, for aunts and uncles, you know, not just mom and dad. But uh, obviously mom and dad are the sort of the front lines of all this. Right. But the uh, but um, yeah, just to navigate this thing, you know, to navigate this thing, to not do it by, you know, the only channel you can get on TV is VeggieTales 24 (laughs) seven and you can never leave the house. But to where we're actually going to going to teach you, we're going to train you, we're going to equip you so that Mm -hmm. when you're exposed to something or when you face something or, you know, when you face one of those challenges or one of those challenging questions or you come up against a different uh, ideology or a different worldview or different viewpoint or even when it comes to things like you're questioning your faith or whatever the case may be, that you've we've sort of worked up building your sort of mental, spiritual, emotional fortitude so that mm-hmm. you can encounter these things head on. And even if you don't do it perfectly, even if you have questions that, you know, at least that that groundwork has been laid so that you can um, succeed when it just seems like everything out there is trying to get you to. Think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just one quick thing that it, it's so funny to have to do this as an occur- as an encouragement. Um, but I mean, I think we do nowadays is um, parents, it's okay to tell your kids no. And you, you know, your kids best, you know, your teens best. Um, they're when Duke and I are talking about, you know, allowing exposing your kids to some things, this doesn't mean you give them free access to HBO. Like, you know, there are things that have to be that have to be canceled. There are if you see your kid just completely spiraling into social media, you know what social media needs to go away. And it's okay. And they're going to be super mad at you. But it's okay. You know, this is our role as parents, We, we want to train them for the battlefield. But we also need to recognize too, that there are perfectly appropriate times for us to step in as parents and say, you know what, no, we can't be doing this anymore. Uh, we've given you opportunities to show maturity. You have shown that you're not quite there yet. So, you know, we need to we need to take this access away. We've done this um, in our house to where, uh, you know, the, the 90s is coming back now. We see all this acid wash and tie dye and everything. Well, my kid was rocking a flip phone because, you know, there had been some instances where we're like, okay, we need you to show maturity. And th- it was not demonstrated. So, you know, when he got a flip phone, it was awesome. It was nostalgic. So, um, it's okay flip to do that cool, as parents. Man. They are cool. They're so satisfying. I'm like, dude, you finally get to Such realize cool the joy of being Feels frustrated good. and slamming it yes. shut. Like it's so satisfying, but, yeah, um, but yeah, parents, it's, um, you're totally within your, your realm to be able to, to put your foot down and say no and, and cut things off where there needs to be, you know, your kids best, you know, their maturity best. And, um, if, if they're struggling, you know, there are times where things need to be pulled back. And I, I strongly encourage you to take advantage of those moments. So, so good. Well, Amy Davison, we're at a, just about an hour and a half. Um, so we'll it goes wrap. By so fast. It really like, does. It really I was does. looking at the time and like, really? <laughs> uh, so we will, uh, we'll start to wrap this up. I just, I wanted to just sort of bring up one more thing that I think is mm-hmm. really relevant to the apologetics conversation. Um, okay. Just to sort of kind of, kind of wrap this all up. And I think that, you know, because we've been talking about different things, we've been talking about, you know, developing a biblical worldview, but then, you know, obviously in, Part of that is that you are going to, of course, encounter different worldviews and different ideologies yeah. and all these things. And I just think that it's important in this particular conversation um, 
to when it comes to engaging with people that have a different worldview, that have different opinions, that have a different philosophy that they're living by. Yeah. Um, I think that our our first priority when it comes to engaging with those people is to recognize that the person in front of that ideology or the person or, or, you know, the person in front of that belief system or that perspective that's different than yours, uh, but that, you know, that that you disagree with. That they're a real person. They're worthy yes. of your love. They're worthy mm-hmm. of your honor and your respect. And I think that our conversations, even when even when we're in conversations with people that don't think the way that we think, I believe that we can still learn. And I, I'm not perfect at this in any means, but that we can learn to gear our conversations towards serving rather mm-hmm. than just debating or saying yeah. you're wrong and this and that, you know, but mm-hmm. but actually learning how to serve people even as they disagree with us. Mm-hmm. I think I just think that that's um, an important thing to consider when it comes to apologetics. Again, even talking about maybe the foundational layer of apologetics being that sort of, uh, you know, defense of the gospel and understanding what why we believe what we believe. Mm-hmm. But recognizing that, of course, we're going to encounter people that don't believe like we believe. And that's yeah. OK. Right. That's okay, And just recognizing that um, that person is still one who's created in God's image. They're a child of God. And I think the more that we can learn to have these good, like just learn to dialogue and have conversation with people, I think the better off that will be rather than the opposite, which is sort of what we've been talking about throughout here is just separating ourselves and being like, no, you know, this us and them, like, I, I don't agree with that. So I can't be in that conversation with you yeah. and kind of closing ourselves off, um, you know, to the potential for uh, maybe to have an, a ministry opportunity or just to show somebody, even if like not everyone you talk to is going to get saved right away. But yeah. but when you can still authentically demonstrate the love of God to that person in the way that you even engage in dialogue with people, I just think that that's something so relevant um, to mm. this uh, conversation. So, And I think it's a great, I mean, what better way to raise up kids for the kingdom than kids that can have good conversations? I mean, our culture is sorely lacking in people that can engage with ideas and do so civilly. So to, to raise up our kids to, like you said, see that it's a person, that the reason they're believing what they're believing is because of something that's happened in their life. It might be a falsehood that they've believed. It might be a hurt that they've... Um, that they've encountered, use it as an opportunity to not only get to know the person, get to know their beliefs and to help acquaint them with the true healer. I mean, that's, that's what we're all seeking is we're all seeking after truth. And if somebody is, it doesn't have the same worldview as you, they're still seeking after truth. And so if you can keep that humanity there, not only will you, will you be a faithful witness to God, but, um, and I've I've said this before is, is you're going to leave such an impression on that person that they're going to go to other people and say, you know, this Duke is a Christian, but he's not one of those Christians. You should go talk to that guy and you're leaving the doors open. So with our kids, if we can teach them to be charitable, to ask good questions, to be considerate of other people's ideas and not just say, oh, you're wrong, you know, or, you know, with, with dodgeball or which with Bibles like dodgeballs, you know, we're going to have such an amazing generation rising up in the faith and gosh, this culture needs that. So, I mean, it's, I, I love the point you made. It's, it's so true. That's, that's how we want to raise our kids is to be loving and charitable like Jesus, meet people exactly where they are, love them where they are, but also stand firm enough. And just like Jesus, not they don't they don't get to stay where they are loving somebody doesn't mean that you endorse their sin but it does mean that you can empathize and understand and minister to it and you know that's what that's that's how we want to train our kids is to love people like jesus amen all right um 
Well, I think that's a good place to end it. But did you uh, did you want to mention the the new book, the the book that's not out yet, that's available? I I saw that you have a um, a book that you contributed to that's up for pre sale right now. Am it I is. overstepping, or is that something? No, that we can talk you're not about? overstepping at all. Yes. So it's this the, new it's book, the guide to sexuality, right? The, yes. Uh, it, yeah. Go ahead. Yep, it's available on on a, on Amazon for pre order. You can also get it through the website, but it's Mama Bear Apologetics. If you type that in, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, and it's a, a book I was able to contribute to on these issues. I write specifically on purity culture, sex positivity, as well as contributing to other aspects of of the book as well. And again, it's it's much like our first Mama Bear book where we're looking at different cultural lives and ideologies that are, that are out there. This one specifically deals with sexuality. So all that maybe awkward stuff that you're nervous about talking to your kids, you've got a couple of of mamas who are right there in the trenches who, you know, we, you know, it is so funny writing this because we're like, can we put that joke in here? Or is that going to offend people? You know, so it's, it's just this fun, accessible way that you can understand what's going on better relate it to your kids and help your kids love people and wrestle with these issues because they're already there. If you look at the Pixar shorts that are geared toward children, they're already expressing the secular sexual ideology. So, you know, meet it, meet them in the battlefield head on. So, and that's what this book is for. All right. Awesome. And uh, for anything else that you want to, uh, to to find out more about more resources at Mama Bear Apologetics, you can go to mamabearapologetics.com. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you again, Amy, for all your time. I appreciate you taking the extended time for this conversation. Um, uh, you know, you were with me on my, uh, on my other podcast, the Simple Power Podcast once um, that uh, that's still going on as well. But uh, I've, I love that now I just feel like I've got a little bit more freedom to spend a little bit more time to go a little bit longer form. Yeah. And, to, you know, I really think that it helps to kind of get to know you, get to know the person um, that that, uh, you know, that I'm interviewing and then really just get into some of the issues. And I really appreciate, you know, just your openness and everything that you brought out here uh, with us today. I think that it's going to add a lot of value to people. So thank you so yeah. much. Um, thank you, everybody, of uh, anybody who is on here listening live or if you check this out later, this is available or this episode will be uploaded later today, just a little while uh, to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, uh, most of the major podcast platforms. So you can if you want to support this uh, this new show, this new channel, I'd appreciate it. You can do that by subscribing, by sharing. If you're uh, watching or listening on somewhere like Apple Podcasts, you could leave a review. That would really, really help me out a lot. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, and if you want to be up, updated on future live episodes, you can uh, go, you can like my Facebook page or follow at DK Lamastra and you'll automatically be updated or excuse me, you'll automatically be notified um, when those live events are happening. So thank you guys so much. Um, thanks again, Amy. Appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I love your ministry and I'm so happy to be able to, to support this because this it's so needed. So awesome. Thanks again. Have a good one. Bye everybody. Right, see y'all later.